along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International with the lovely Steve Parsons and the most humble Van Helsink. There you go. Blimey, that was quick. Cool. Yeah. Um, hey, you know you know this intro that we have at the start uh, where yeah. it says, but you will not believe. Does that yeah. imply that our guests are not necessarily telling the truth or you and I are not telling the truth? No, it... Because it, uh, they should they, believe. They should no, absolutely... They won't, be- they won't believe because they're well, they challenging their beliefs. And, well, uh, I'm telling and, them now. I'm telling our listeners now that they should believe. because well, they should not believe. I've, I've had guests on here I haven't believed, so why should they believe? There ain't no BS on this show. Yeah, right. Hey, did you, yes. uh, did you, did you read the newspaper about the stupid gene? I said that before we got on the air. I know. I was just nipping in there because I suffer from it. Yeah, yeah, that's a surprise. (laughs) Actually, you know, I've met quite a few people in my time, as as no doubt you have, that clearly are afflicted by this terrible genetic disorder. I am, uh... We need to find the ghost hunting gene next. I'm thinking I'm giving up ghost hunting. Well, the ghost hunting gene and the stupidity gene are probably yeah, linked. I'm giving up ghost hunting, though. I, 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 I'm moving on, I think. Oh, uh, giving up? Well, it's not Lent yet, is it? 40 days? No, I, no I'm, I'm looking for something cooler to investigate. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the hollow earth theory. That might be a good one. I, I... Well, you know, you could do the flat earth theory. That's related to, because flat earth believers are also orb believers, aren't they? Not necessarily. Don't just have a go at the wackos tonight, should we? I like the Hall Earth theory. Cool. Well, you, you go that way then, and good luck to you. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours today, and... Um, we I both have friends. One or two left, and at the end of a very sharp stick, I you'll be speaking to him next week on the show. We're going to be joined by none other than... We should have a fanfare at this point, because we finally nailed him down, Richard Felix. <laughs> Mr. Felix is back. (laughs) Seriously, after five years. For a minute, I thought you were going to say Cal Cooper. Oh, no, no, no. We can just phone him any time. It's only phoning phoning the dead, isn't it? So, Richard, really really going to Yeah, he is. (laughs) Are you going to actually lead him to the phone and put it in his hand? If needs be. Well, that would be really cool because I do get a lot of uh, uh, requests from different people asking me how he is and everything else. And in fact, I run into someone who just uh, went and visited him not too long ago. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, there you go. There you I was go. beginning to, be, to I was beginning to you know, to, I didn't know if he was still alive or what the story was. Well, there I was working away on the book this afternoon, and and the phone rang, and. It was a telephone call from the dead. It was Richard. Um, That's amazing. I thought so too. Uh, it was it was fantastic to hear him though, because you know we've had some great adventures together, and indeed I know you have also. Exactly. So, um, 
So, yeah, I managed to persuade him. Uh, it didn't take any persuading, to be honest, but it might take a bit of effort to make him remember. Uh, yeah, that, that will do. <laughs> that, God willing, and with a following breeze, Richard will be joining us on the show next week. Mm. That was that was a bit of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed. I had some I had some great adventures with uh, Richard. And yeah, we both have over the years. He did the show for you know quite a while. Surprisingly, he was fairly good on it. I mean, as far as showing <laughs> up. A bit, no, well, you know, be careful, you know. Yeah, so uh, that, that's upset, great, you don't great upset, news, great news. You Absolutely. don't want to upset your current co-host. Who? Well, you've been through Korean a few, haven't Peter? you? Well, you know, you've been through a few co-hosts on the show, haven't you? Yeah, the British are very reliable, you know what I mean? Uh, well, I've stuck it out for three years. Yeah, I know, you just got no life, that's your problem. <laughs> that would dead. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, we are having someone who does have a life on the show this afternoon, and he is a fellow that I've known for quite a while, and I'm excited to speak of him. In fact, Richard and I went to uh, visit him uh, in Gettysburg one time, which was pretty cool. You still with us there, Felix? I mean, uh, Parsons? Parsons? Whoops. Looks like we don't have Steve. Anyways, um, ooh, he dropped. Totally gone. All right, so call in uh, Mark Nesbitt, see if we can get on him a little early while we find Steve again. He's probably out chasing dragons or whatever he does in Wales. Or either that, I heard his feeling, and now he's not speaking to me, but uh, who knows. So, um, anyway, if... Uh, if you can uh, give uh, Richard, I mean, uh, Mark a call, then uh, we'll get him on just in case uh, Steve is sulking or something. Anyway, so anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pyrex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And uh, Halloween is over, so we are now uh, in our second phase of our life, which is after Halloween, you know, life before Halloween and life after Halloween is two different things. And I find that totally interesting for so many reasons. But anyways, uh, hopefully we'll have our other guests here in a second. But I don't see. Okay. Anyways, uh, we are having on the show today Mr. Uh, Mark Nesbeth. And uh, Mark is the author of about two dozen, no, not two dozen, about a dozen books on Gettysburg, and uh, he is an authority on Gettysburg. Uh, so uh, I'm really looking forward to speaking with him again. Uh, it's been a long time since I had a chat with him. And anyone knows, Mark, uh, if there's anything about Gettysburg you don't know, you can ask him because uh, he runs the Ghost of Gettysburg Tours, and uh, he also runs uh, one out of, uh, I believe it is, uh, Vicksburg as well. So without further ado, why don't we bring on our guest, and he is bring not a co-host as well. Oh, uh, do we have to? Uh, Mr. Mark Nesbitt. Mark, you with us? Hey, Ron, how are you? Good, good. We had a little bit of a mess up there. My, uh, I, I dropped my go co-host, but he came back, unfortunately. So Steve Parsons is also with us now. <laughs> good okay, evening, Mark. Hi, Steve. I have no idea what Ron just did to me, but he just booted me out of Skype. Mm. 
So anyways, Mark, I mean, uh, first of all, today is Veterans Day in the U.S., which is an important day. Originally, it was Armistice Day, honoring the, the vets of World War I. But uh, since then, we have uh, made it into a national holiday for all vets, which is, I think, is a great thing for us. Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, the number of uh, Civil War vets... Uh, and also deaths uh, really, I guess, overshadows more than all the other wars combined, I think, because it was Americans killed in Americans, and there were so many. And well, yeah. I uh, First of all, I'd like to thank all the vets out there that are listening right now. I, I, you know, when, I, when this day comes around, I just think how many people I know uh, that are veterans in the different wars, uh, between my father, who was World War II World War veteran, and uh, many of my friends, Iraq War veterans. So mm-hmm. I just want to say thanks to everybody. And But you're right, the Civil War, um, if you add up the dead in the American Civil War, uh, we used to say 620,000 dead in four years, but somebody has, has changed that number to 850 dead when they redid the census, when they looked at the census records. Um, that's when the country was one-tenth its size. So in order to make that meaningful now, you have to multiply it by 10. So can you imagine in a four-year war that we lost 8,500,000 men and women now? It's just unbelievable. And it's actually, literally, it was more uh, Americans were killed in the American Civil War than all the other wars combined. Uh, it's so sad. I mean, I was watching a uh, a uh, Veterans Day ceremony today, and they handed out roses to the survivors, and I, I thought that was so sad. A life for a rose, and, and you know, right. it's just. And 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 Steve in the UK, uh, I know they plant. Well, they have the ceramic uh, poppy field. I was going to say, yeah, the numbers that Mark just mentioned, the 800-plus, 800,000-plus, here in the UK, the Tower of London has been, since uh, since July, they've been planting ceramic poppies into the moat of the Tower of London. And the final poppy uh, was planted today uh, at 11 o'clock this morning. And the number is 880... 8,200, which equals the number of First World War dead um, for the UK. Just the so, UK, right? Oh, my just God. Just the UK, and in the same four-year period as well. So, right. uh, you know, we can we can entirely empathise and relate to the sort of numbers that you're talking about. And seeing that many ceramic poppies, you know, the I, you've probably seen them on your news feeds in the USA. Oh, yeah. Entirely filled the the moat of the the Tower of London, and these little these little ceramic flowers that they're only small, um, yeah. and when you see that many of them arrayed out, it really does bring it home to people. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, definitely. And uh, Mark, I mean, you you are uh, home to one of the most. Uh, uh, horrifying battles, I guess, of the Civil War as far as casualties. And, I, I, you know, and you also run the Ghost of Gettysburg tours. So we, there's a really a connection there between the, the, the death of all these soldiers and uh, our lives now. I mean, they still seem to be reaching out from beyond the graves to us. And um, you, have you found that in, in the books of your and the, and the tours and, and the, so forth? 
Absolutely. Yeah, well, living in Gettysburg, you know, I, I don't live there now, but I did for 35 years. And uh, it's a daily reminder. Uh, I could see uh, when I lived there, I could see the monuments on the first, from the first day's battlefield at my office window every day. And um, speaking of the uh, Civil War being, you know, or not being very far away, I remember watching two veterans' wives, not daughters, not granddaughters, two veterans' wives go by about five or six years ago in the Memorial Day parade oh, wow. uh, to when they were burying the remains that they found out, the last most recent remains that they found out by the railroad cut in 1996. So maybe it was a little longer than that. But um, I remember them going by in, the, in a carriage, and it was just amazing because the, the American Civil War wasn't that far away from us right now. Uh, uh, and, the, uh, of course, the other wars as well are, are, are right around the corner. As far as uh, as far as our lives are concerned, oh, definitely. I mean, we we've definitely lived through a lot. Uh, what I, you know, I mean, as far as, I mean, Gettysburg is, is is supposedly the most haunted place in America, and do you think it it's because of? Well, let me ask you, why do you think it gets that title? Well, we and you've heard me say this. We often think that uh, the reason that spirits linger are are, are several. Uh, uh, one would be a youthful death, the other an unexpected death, uh, uh, another when a when a death uh, interrupts plans, uh, the uh, un, unconsecrated burials, uh, and um, uh, the the living are mourning too long, holding on to the dead. And when you look at Gettysburg, all of those apply. Um, they were youthful soldiers in their mid to early 20s. Uh, their, their deaths were sudden in many cases. Um, they all had lives to live after, uh, hopefully after the war, that were cut short. Um, we get 1.6 million visitors there a year who, in essence, mourn these men, and so they hold on to them. Um, and the unconsecrated burials, of course, most of the men were buried where they, most of the men in Getty, that were killed at Gettysburg were buried twice. First where they fell on the battlefield, then the, then the Union soldiers in the months afterwards were exhumed and taken up to the National Cemetery. But the Confederates remained on the battlefield in unconsecrated graves until uh, the 1870s. And someone once calculated, a historian once calculated that there are anywhere between 300 and 1,200 that are unaccounted for. So they're still out there somewhere. So all, you know, all these things uh, combined to make uh, in Gettysburg a perfect storm for creating ghosts. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, uh, we had our civil war, but uh, Britain also had their civil war. Uh, so, I mean, do you think the role of where it's, it's you know, family against family, uh, brother against brother, or, you know, I mean, does that play a role in it more, do you think, than just like, for instance, if it was like World War II, Americans were fighting Germans or the British were fighting Germans? Well, I think so. I mean, there's definitely a, a, a confusion there in your mind when you're saying, uh, for example, on uh, Culp's Hill, the first Maryland Confederate regiment fought only maybe 100 yards from the first Maryland Union regiment. So, I mean, many of these people were related, 
and many of them were, uh, uh, you know, obviously Marylanders. So there was a, a, a you know, a, a problem there when, when you were going up against men that you think may be related or may, uh, may be at least from your own state. I, I, it certainly would bother me, and I, I would think just about anybody if you knew that you were going to have to uh, fight against old friends. And, of course, when you had the, when you had in the West Point class and all those officers, about half of which went north and half of which went south, these men literally knew each other from classrooms and, and dormitories and, and everything. And so that certainly added to the, to the angst that these men went through when they, were, when they were in the midst of fighting. It's interesting that you mentioned the British, the English Civil War, uh, the British Civil War, uh, because we have ghosts also associated with that too. Um, prominently, the most famous, of course, is, is probably the Battle of Edge Hill uh, from October of 1642. And what was interesting about that and what remains interesting about that particular battle is that the ghosts were, in actual fact, investigated by a royal commission set up by King Charles I, and it remains the only account in the annals of psychical research where uh, the British um, National Archive records the, the, the existence of ghosts. Uh, the battle took place, as I say, between about 30,000 soldiers, and, in fact... Uh, Although the battle took place in October, uh, just before the Christmas, there was a number of sightings of the battle being reenacted uh, across the battlefield. Um, shepherds and, and farm hands reported hearing the sounds of battle. They witnessed the clash of armor, the scream of the horses. My goodness. Well, I know also, Steve, that there are uh, many, many stories of some of the World War II airfields in the south of England that, um, you know, people will, will be at these abandoned airfields and see uh, a figure way, way down at the end of what used to be a runway, and as he gets closer, they realize that he's dressed in the, in the uh, bomber crew gear, and they realize this, this, and then he vanishes, and this may have been one of the young um, American um, airmen that was lost in the war. Have you ever heard of those stories? Uh, absolutely. Um, no, of we've, course. We've we've also investigated them um, along oh. with our own Civil War ones. Uh, we have two of the most famous, uh, Edge Hill I've just spoken about, and Marston Moor, uh, which took place in 1644. And indeed, uh, that's the site of that battle is supposedly not visited by locals even to this day. Oh, my. But uh, a bat uh, surprisingly, although we do have many battlefields and many of them do have ghosts associated with them, uh, just, uh, you know, our airfields were our battlefields, uh, our home battlefields uh, throughout the Second World War, and so very many of them have ghosts associated with them, phantom airmen, phantom air aircraft even arriving back from missions, uh, oh. Royal Air Force and wow. United States Army Air Forces. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've got... Uh, uh, we've got the the, um, the Civil War ghosts, and we've got the 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 Second World War battlefield ghosts as well. The battlefields uh, being and and you say you have investigated some of those. That, that that's a dream of mine. I'd love to go and investigate some of those airfields over there. 
Um, oh, no. cool. An airfield is a is a magical and mysterious place. Anyway, um, it has an atmosphere and ambiance, and I I have a, a great love of aircraft, and I, I I feel a very strong connection to the pilots, to the to the ground crew, to the air crew, and I it's one of the few places that I think that you know. Although I have no psychic ability whatsoever, I do sense an ambiance, an atmosphere, uh, uh, and I've been you know privileged to. Uh, visit and investigate many, many haunted airfields here in the UK, both British and US forces. And, and you know, uh, we talk about airfields and as, as a particular area, but, I mean, the Gettysburg Battlefield, we always talk about this battlefield like it's a, a small location or whatever, but as, as we visited Mark many times, he has talked about, you know, how the whole town was really the battlefield and, and uh, you know, how just about every house or, or a building was used for a field hospital once or of one nature. Um, so I, I think the Gettysburg can can claim that, that because it's of all the you know the misery and, and death that happened throughout the whole town, basically. Well, well yeah, and it's kind of like the standing joke. You know, when people come in anywhere in Gettysburg, they say, "So, where's the battlefield?" And we we kind of chuckle. We say, "Well, you're standing on it, basically." I mean, outside of our building uh, there on the corner of Breckenridge and Baltimore Street that we run the ghost tours out of, they had uh, built a Confederates had built a what they called a rubble barricade across Baltimore Street. Now, you don't build a barricade unless you're going to fight behind it. So they were in the streets there and along Breckenridge Street, the road, the the street that runs in front of us. So, um, and then, as you said, the, the houses, um, about 400 houses were existing in the town of Gettysburg at the time. All the large buildings were uh, commandeered by the surgeons and soon filled up with the, with the wounded. And all the smaller homes at least held guys that were not badly wounded, but they needed to get out of the hot sun. And uh, our building, we know we had uh, Georgia troops uh, housed in it in both upstairs and downstairs. So, and of, of those 400 buildings, 200 are still standing. We have more historic buildings in Gettysburg than they do in Williamsburg, because those were all built in the 1930s. So, the the buildings where these men suffered and died are still there, and you can't visit all of them because many of them are um, are private. But you can certainly stand outside of them, and uh, and I have numerous stories in my books and on the tours about houses in Gettysburg, private homes that are haunted. Mark, there are a few people here, and, and I guess over in the States too, who, who find it a little bit disrespectful, this idea of looking for ghosts or trying to communicate with the ghosts of the fallen. Uh, you know, they, they're, it, it, people do investigate UK battlefields, and I know people investigate and visit US battlefields, but as I say, I have encountered people who find it a little bit distasteful. What do you say? Well, I, you know, it, it depends on how you do it. You know, it can be dis- distasteful, and if you're going to be rude or or confrontational, you know, I know a lot of people would like to uh, go into a Confederate area because of the, you know, the the, the curse of slavery and a, and 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 say nasty things about them just to get a a reaction on uh, you know EVP or or whatever, and you can't. Uh, my personal uh, uh, feeling about that is you, you can't do that. That's not right. These men were, I don't care what side you're on, you're su- supremely brave. You may not have wanted to be there, um, but you were, you know, you were there and you served. And uh, so, and, and of course, I'm 
I, I, I like doing battlefields because I do respect these men. I think they can tell us something about the great uh, adventure we are all going to take one of these days. And um, I think I have a feeling, and just in my own heart, that that I can communicate with the with the soldiers a little bit better than 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 just you know grandmothers and grandfathers or, or neighbors or whatever. That's just my opinion, but I think it all has to do with the way you do, uh, the way you conduct your investigation. You know, I agree 100% because, you know, you look at all of some of these shows out there and, and they, they, you know, challenge the ghosts all the time. And, Mark, I've worked with you a couple of times and, and you get a phenomenal amount of good EVP. And, and you're very respectful to the spirit, which I, I find very enlightening. Well, yeah, and I, you know, it's because I respect these guys. I mean, you know, what they did is just, you know, unbelievable to me, you know, to stand there and and face face the fire and watch your friends go down around you, that is just um, it's amazing what they did, um, almost unbelievable what they did. And so I do respect these men uh, uh, really really greatly. And, and 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 I do want to find out more about their lives. I mean, they were just ordinary people like us, and uh, I would like to know a little more about why they uh, why they did what they did. Isn't it the case that I, I seem to remember reading that there were some uh, uh, there some Irish troops involved in the American Civil War who fought at Gettysburg? Irish well, there was yeah, there was a great um, immigration prior to the the Civil War in the eighteen forties, and um, a lot of Irish came over, and and there were entire brigades. I forget what what the percentages were. But the the percentage of immigrants in the uh, armies were either either more Germans and Irish were second, or Irish were first and Germans were second. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the Irish were, had a huge representation in in the uh, both the U S Army and um, also in the Confederate Army. And of course, and of course, the Confederates are no, known for their Scots Irish. Heritage when uh, when they came over that was the uh, the, the main group that the uh, Southerners came from. Yeah, I, was, I remember seeing a program that talked about uh, the Irish involvement in the uh, American Civil War. Also, interesting that I come from uh, originally come from near Liverpool, uh, at a, a seaport that was strongly associated with the Confederacy, and. Um, when I was over in the States in Alabama, I went to visit the USS Alabama, the, the oh, World War II yeah. ship, alongside a model of CSS Alabama, which was built, in fact, um, you know, in the shipyard uh, that, that was only a few miles from me at Camel Aird on, on the River Mersey, um, because there was a great link between the northwest of England, the cotton towns of the northwest of England, and the Confederate States. And oh, a great yeah. deal of support went through into the Confederate states from the from the the you know those northern English cotton towns. Well, yeah, that was the you know that was what the Confederates thought was going to save them. Is the uh, they said cotton was king, you know, because they could sell a lot of cotton to Great Britain. And um, the other interesting thing I always found I always found fascinating was that the uh, uh, if you, the second most used uh, rifle in the uh, Civil War. Was the Enfield? Uh, uh, in fact, I have one, uh, a Tower Enfield Tower from the Tower of London, okay. and um, 
they uh, the interesting Mark, part is yeah I have to interrupt you because we have to take a break right now it's going to cut okay. right in on us so you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Parsons and Ron Kolak right here on Tojinet Pararex Planet Paranormal and maybe a ghost box who knows yeah, our special <laughs> is Mark Nesbitt we'll be right back after the following messages Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tolkienet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. trailer for ghost chronicles brings us back that's a really good trailer that actually but anyway we're, we're back in part two of ghost chronicles international without any downton abbey although i've just had a lovely cup of tea and uh, we're joined by mark nesbitt uh, who is uh, the go-to guy for ghosts at gettysburg hey how cool was that for an intro i guess mark, i could have done works. it with what's that Ah, you are with us. Good. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, so such a gentleman. You know, he's so polite. Unlike somebody I know. 
Who's that then? I don't know. Anyways, uh, just before the break, you, we were talking a little bit about uh, the involvement of England and, and uh, the Civil War and everything. But uh, the interesting thing is, is Mark has not only investigated uh, Gettysburg, but you investigated other Civil War battlefields as well, haven't you, Mark? Yeah, Ron, I have. Um, the We started ghost tours down in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And um, there are four major Civil War battlefields down there. I got an opportunity to... Uh, to investigate, it, there was Chancellorsville, which was the battle just before Gettysburg. Um, there was Fredericksburg, which was even earlier in 1862. There was uh, Spotsylvania, or uh, let me put it in order. There was uh, uh, the Wilderness and then Spotsylvania in 1864, which was the first time Grant fought against Lee. And so that's kind of what started it. And then by one publisher, uh, Stackpole Books, we got together. They wanted me to do a book on all the major Civil War battlefields. Uh, so uh, we, Carol and I, my wife, much to my delight, much to her horror, we got a <laughs> chance to visit all the major Civil War battlefields in the country over two summers. And uh, I came up with a book called Civil War Ghost Trails. And mm-hmm. it's interesting in that I cover – I did some minor, small investigations when I could, and when I got evidence – we, for example, EVP, we, uh, it's hard to put that in a book. Uh, so what we did is we created a web page. And when I'm talking about the EVP that I got at, uh, say, Kennesaw Mountain, you know, and I tell you what I think it is, you can go to the web page and listen to it. So that's kind of a, an interesting uh, a twist. I don't know if anyone's ever done that with a book. Well, uh, my friend Mike Markowitz uh, did a book on EVPs from uh, Massachusetts, and uh, Schiffler was his publisher, and they included a, a, a DVD in the book. But, I mean, but this is the first time that I've heard about where you can go to the uh, website and actually hear it. I think that's a great idea. I know that we did Ghost Chronicles, our book. We have an accompanying website, too. And I, I think that's a, you know, in today's modern technology, I think that's a great idea. Well, everybody's got... Almost everybody's got a computer within arm's reach where they're reading, you know, and and so that I think that's a that's a, a, the way with the future it should be. So I hope I gave somebody else or we gave somebody else the idea to do that because it's an interesting way to read a book, you know, with your listening to stuff on your computer as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the next thing you'd be able to have a little uh, mist that you'd be able to spray and actually smell the smells. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, you know. There's a, quite a few places I wouldn't want to have a, a Mr. Spray to spray the places, but some of them are haunted as well. Apparently, in fact, I was reading one um, only only today about uh, a, a ghostly stench at a castle not very far away from me. But that's another story for another time. Yeah, we have so, that too at Gettysburg. Yeah, the, the smells from the battle. You do? Oh yeah. Um, one of the stories in my book talks about uh, women in a in a very nice uh, part of town called Cold Park. They go into their linen closets or their cleaning closets, open the door, and get a whiff of rotting meat. Oh. They close the door, come back two minutes later, open it up, and they smell their you know cleaning fluids and stuff like that. The problem is Cold Park was built right next to the field of Pickett's Charge, and oh. we think that many of the you know houses were built on some of the graves. Now, of course, not they're not smelling true decomp, but they're smelling the, the remnant, the psychic remnant of that when they uh, open the doors there. 
Right. I mean, you. I mean, we can't even fathom the, the, the thought of the smells. I mean, in these these surgical hospitals, they just you know, especially because of the the weapons they used at that time, they were chopping limbs off. You know, like they were going out of style and just throwing them out the window into a huge pile. I mean, the odor has been phenomenal. That's correct. And they, you know, any any gut wound, if you're shot in the guts, you know what spills out, right? And plus the fact that the Battle of Gettysburg was fought in the beginning of July. Uh, so any bodies or body parts left out in the hot sun doesn't take long before, you know, we all know know what that smells like. If you, you know, leave some hamburger out, you know, it doesn't, doesn't smell too good after a couple of hours. So it was a horrible, horrible place that, that, that that's one part of it that people don't under, don't realize or don't, don't uh, acknowledge. But it was an awful place for weeks after the battle. Yeah, I can't, I can't admit. It. I I got to tell you a story, and it, and I do apologize to throw this in there, but I just came across it, and it was about a, a soldier who was shot in the gut and got a gut worm. That's what reminded me, Mark, when you said that. And uh, when he healed, the doctor that saved him, uh, the stomach actually uh, healed with the outer skin, so there was actually an opening into the stomach. There was a hole that went right into his stomach. And the doctor uh, at that time uh, kept him, and he would ex- actually experiment with him. He would take pieces of meat and stuff and put it on a string and put it into that hole, into the guy's belly. And that went on for years, and he kept a, a whole diary on, on this hole on this hole in this guy's stomach and all the, the, the different digestive experiments that he did on this guy. And, I, I you know, back science back then was, you know, I mean, that was... They didn't have what we have now. They, no one even knew how the, basically the stomach worked that well. And so, I mean, it, it's gross as hell, but uh, interesting, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I'm glad I got two or three hours before dinner. <laughs> I can get that image out of my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. <laughs> but I, I, that's what I said when I saw it. It's like, and it's a, it's a true story. It was. Uh, well, whatever. I'll have to get the guy's name. It, it is a true story, and the, the, the medical term for it is called a fistula. Fistula. Thank you very much. Okay. There you go. Exactly what it is. My pleasure. <laughs> I, I, I have nursed several people with those, uh, although we didn't, we didn't drop bits of meat in on string anymore. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we pack them and we heal them. Yeah. So you 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 were aware of that then, Steve? That I forgot about your medical background. That's yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, we can, let's let's move on from the gross medical stuff okay, because yes. uh, <laughs> I, I think you know today's not today's not the perhaps not the right sort of show to be talking about right. there because there are there are well we could do an entire show on gross medical stuff. There you uh, go. One day. One day. Yeah. yeah. But. Um, do you do you have um, artifacts from the battle? I know I've been fortunate to bring some artifacts back from the battlefields um, you know, that I've visited. Even you know finding stuff from a battle three three four hundred years ago um, puts, does put you in touch with the battle. Is that the same with the Civil War battlefields? Yeah, we have a lot of uh, uh, stuff that's for sale in Gettysburg at various uh, antique. Shops, and um, I did many, many, many years ago when I was first when I was a park ranger there. I bought a uh, that Enfield uh, rifle that uh, was shipped over from England that I uh, cherish to this day. And um, I have never, as much time as I spent out on the battlefield, I have ne- I found one thing 
out there, and that that was a horseshoe out at East Cavalry Battlefield that just happened to be hanging on a fence. Someone found it and hung it on a fence, and and I couldn't even tell you. I mean, it was a you know it was farm fields before. I don't know if it was the Civil War era. It was all rusty and everything. That's about the only thing I personally have found on the battlefield, and yet. Some people say that claim that they found things out there, and there are things for sale that are that are that are allegedly found on the battlefield. But is, isn't that illegal, Mark? I, I thought that. I mean, I, I've heard that they broke up a couple of uh, rings that people were actually doing metal detecting on, and then selling buttons and stuff on on. Uh, so I, yeah, I you, have, was, you have Savage well, Family Diggers on TV, and they they go uh, to lots of uh, Civil War sites. Right. Well, I'm actually misspoke there. I said battlefield. Remember that joke. I, about where's the battlefield, and yeah. what they'll do is they'll go to private farms in the area, and there you can do, with the permission of the owner, there you can do metal detecting and find these things, but it's still part of the battlefield, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be Little Round Top or Devil's Den, but it could be a hospital site. Um, I had a friend that was digging out at the David Stewart farm, uh, with the permission, of course, of the, of the owner, and um, he found a few things, nothing Civil War, but that had been a hospital site at one time. So, you know, there are still places that you can find things um, that is battlefield but not owned by the government. That's when it becomes like murdered one, you know. <laughs> well, the, the reason I mention it is because we, we brought some British Civil War battles, uh, uh, musket balls over for Spirit Quest to do psychometry experiments with uh, um, I was just wondering if you've done anything similar psychometry-wise with any of the artifacts that have been recovered from Gettysburg or the other battlefields. Right, we've done some psychometry. We did um, uh, at down in Fredericksburg, uh, uh, Lane Crosby. You know Lane. Yeah, I know Lane. Yeah. Yeah. She did psychometry with one uh, with a. Uh, I can't really say because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but what, with with an artifact that was associated with George Washington. And um, she also did some in a, in a, down by uh, Robert E. Lee's birthplace in Westmoreland County uh, with a, um, I believe it was a ring that someone had found when they were renovating the place. And uh, she, we could, we, we had a historian there with us on both occasions. They didn't say anything until Lane was done, and then and they confirmed most of what she said. Some of it, that you don't know how deep these people get because. You know, they're talking about relatives of the person that owned the ring, and a lot of times this is lost to history. But it's really remarkable to, to do that type of thing, to watch them. I can't do it, but it's, it's fascinating. Well, I think we all can if you just give it a chance, Mark. Especially you. I think you're, you're a lot more sensitive than you think you are, especially with the EVPs you get. It's, it's simply amazing. But we actually have a question in, in the uh, chat room for you, Mark. Uh, you want to give it, Steve? <laughs> yeah, uh, Nate asks, does Mark have a favorite spot in Gettysburg that he loves to go to time and time again that never gets old uh, or a favorite story or tale, and why is it so? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do have a couple favorite places. Uh, one of my favorite places is actually a place called the Triangular Field. That is just that's right next to, on the battlefield tour, it's right next to Devil's Den. And it is a triangular field, which is really strange. It, it, they couldn't they couldn't plow it because it's on on a quite an incline and there are a lot of rocks, so they they just fenced it in and used it for uh, grazing. That's a fascinating place because I wrote a, a, a book about a fellow who actually lost his life in that field, and it's also the place where I got my very very first EVP uh, way way back in ninety 
94 or 95. And I always liked that place. Middle of Pickett's Charge also affects me. You know, I'm not, I'm not psychic, but I am, I'm certainly aware of what happened there. And, and many times you get out in the middle of that field. Like a friend of mine once said, you can feel the great crush of souls out there. And that is certainly uh, appropriate, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, really good description on that. So, Mark, I mean, uh, it's on that same line. I think. I mean, I know that you have captured tons of piece. What What is the, you know, what to you was the the best one you captured, and you know, and and how much of an impact did it make on you at the time? Well, we caught a a, a pretty good one in uh, at the in the basement of the Cash Town Inn. Uh, which uh, is it's about seven miles west of Gettysburg, but it's also where about uh, 80% of the Confederate Army passed on their way into Gettysburg. And um, it became then later a hospital, as every place did. And um, down in the basement, we, uh, with the help of, I guess, either Patty Wilson or Lane, uh, they gave me the information that there was a young man down there whose name was Andrew, and he was uh, from the South. And so I said, I, I asked him, I said, Andrew, uh, what state are you from? And I got four syllables, Mississippi, mm-hmm. that clear. And, uh, of course, we, you know, narrowed it down to the south, so we knew it was going to be one of those states. But uh, it's, it's remarkably clear uh, there. And uh, there, are, there, were other, there have been others I've gotten, as you said, thousands of, of EVP. And um, but um, Patty Wilson has got some remarkable stuff too, but it took her 17 years to get some of this stuff returning to the same place. And so it's it, this, this is this ghost hunting is not for sissies, you know. No, no. people are bored easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, Mark, you always and I've kept you on so long. I, I apologize for that, but uh, you know, I don't know if Steve has heard this story, but you tell me the story about the uh, Daniel. Lady Farm, am I saying that right? Right. And and, and uh, the time the caretaker called you in. Right, right. That was I'll tell you that was probably the weirdest thing in all these years that's ever happened to me. Do you want me to go ahead and tell that? I would love to. I, I don't think Steve, you haven't heard. No, that. I I haven't heard it at all. Okay, yeah, this is amazing. Just a little background: the Daniel Lady Farm once again was used as a hospital. The front room, which is a south-facing room, was was the we're pretty sure was the operating room. I got a phone call from the the caretaker that, that, and he said basically, if you want to see something paranormal happening right before your eyes, come on out to the lady farm. Who can pass that up? All right, right. <laughs> I threw all the gear in the car. Out I go. I walked in the door and I said, "What's going on?" And he said, "Just I'm not going to say anything. Just want you to come in this room, the front room, the operating room. We had it all cleaned up yesterday for the." Um, because we were touring some reenactors around here, and we wanted to impress them. So let's go in. So he walked in. There, in front of the fireplace, were four or five long streaks of rust-colored liquid. And separating out from the rust-colored liquid was a clear liquid. And then there were probably a dozen <clears throat> drops that seemed to be crusting over or, 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 or basically drying up. And I looked, and I said, did a pipe break in the basement? He says, nope. And I looked up at the ceiling, and the whitewash was still there. 
I said, what in the heck is going on here? And I'm videotaping all this and filming it, and I took pictures and everything. We put a yardstick down next to it, and I took pictures to show that they're at least four or five feet long. And I said, I, gee, I don't, I, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on here. But I said, but do you have a tissue? He said, sure. So I dipped the tissue in the liquid, and I said, I, my work here is done. I've documented this. I don't know what else more I can do. So I left. And he said, I got to go out to the fields. I was working on something earlier, and I got to get out there again. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. So I left. And uh, about two hours later, I got a phone call from him, and he just said two words it's gone. I said, What? He said, It's gone. I said, I'll be right out. Out I go. And sure enough, I walked into the room, and the liquid was, was gone. It was dry. And I have a video of him actually. Squatting down, he said, now, correct me if I'm wrong, this is where it was. He's rubbing his hand on the, on the floor. And he looks up, he said, what the heck is this? And there's a thin, thin layer of dust on his fingertips. And I'm thinking, what about the sample that I got? So my wife runs out to the car, and she brings in the baggie, and it still has the stains, the sample, on the uh, uh, tissue. So the organization that owns the the building is pretty well connected. So they sent that sample to one of the um, more, more prestigious labs, forensics labs in the country. Three weeks later, the report came back. The substance, the liquid, was blood. The species was human. Wow. That, that's amazing. Um, I, I tell that story a lot. Uh, just, it, I, I'm dumbfounded. I, I'm like, what? Everything's in reverse. I, did I walk into a time warp or something? Mm -hmm. You know, that just shouldn't have happened. But. And, and the interesting thing about it is that, uh, you know, in that room, if there are still blood stains that were from the Civil War there in right. the floor, right? You can't get them up. Yeah. yeah, you can't get them up. And yet this one, like you said, it, it was there. It was it was a liquid. You, and you spent a lot of time with it. It's not like you just went and took oh. a picture in. I mean, and, and yeah, when you I come back, it, it's totally gone, and there's actually dust on the floor where it was. I mean, that, to right. me, you know, speaks a lot. Yeah, I was there close to an hour videotaping and photographing, and then we went around the building, and he told me some some ghost stories that he had, and then we came back, and it was still there. So I don't know. I, it's, I, I just don't know. So what do you think, Mark? I mean, uh, Steve. Well, it was very interesting, the bits I heard, because Skype threw me out. <laughs> but luckily, I can get it on the podcast, as can everybody else. So uh, Yes, you can. But so, uh, the, the synopsis of his is that liquid was there. Mark had taken a sample. Uh, he went away, got called back in. The, the whole liquid was gone, everything like it never was. And there was actually a, 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 a thin film of dust on the floor where it was, so, as though it was never there. And he, but he still had his sample, and he had it tested at a lab, and it came back as human blood. So, well, well that's certainly, you know, there's evidence. That's that would be veridical evidence, then. Right, um, right. Because, so, uh, well, oh, I, go think, ahead, I was going to say, I mean, that would that would be, you have two witnesses, you have videotape, you have veridical, you know, uh, you have uh, a science test that demonstrates it's human blood. I mean, that's almost the holy grail for psychical research. Yeah, I think it's 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 to me it's one of the most outstanding uh, cases that I that I know of. 
So anyways, Mark, I, I know we got to let you go. So uh, anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye to you? No, just uh, it's good talking to you, Ron, and uh, hopefully we can get together again sometime if you're in Gettysburg. I know I had a good time there at the uh, when we visited up there and did the old manse and the uh, and the bridge at Concord. Yeah, and, and yeah, that was fun. I, I enjoyed you up here, and, and we still got that photograph. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life—the little elf on your hand there, or yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, we got some evidence there. That's for sure. Well, I yeah. didn't get an elf at Northbridge. Well, Ron, that's you. Next time, get me an elf. Yeah, fine. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, you want to give out your website for us? Yeah, it's uh, ghostsofgettysburg.com. Mm-hmm. Very simple, ghostsofgettysburg.com. And, and you've got a ton of books, I, 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 like a dozen or so at least. Yeah, you know? yeah, about, uh, yeah, about 15, 16. Amazing stories. And the interesting about Mark, too, before he got into paranormal, he was a park ranger on the battlefield. So uh, that, to me, is is even more interesting, in fact, that he went from doing that to into ghost hunting. So, yeah. Mark, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Ron and Steve. I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you, Mark. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Pretty interesting, huh? Very interesting, and would have been even more interesting if Skype hadn't been misbehaving tonight. I don't know why it does that sometimes. Yeah, it's the British. They, they don't know how to... No, 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 no. They don't know how to do the internet, you know. No, it's not, because each time it dropped out, I did a quick line test, and it's not here. It's Skype, which is an yeah. American company, and it's all been going wrong since they were bought out by Microsoft. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, so anyways... Um, yeah. Be, I know we're almost out of time, but I, I wanted to mention this. And uh, there's some place uh, not too far from you in Western Zoyland, Wales. West, you know Western, well, well, Western Zoyland isn't in Wales. It's in Somerset, which is about a uh, hundred miles from here. But it's western part of England. Really? Yeah. I've been told it was in Wales. That's interesting. Well, Western Zoyland. Yeah. Z o y sorry z o y l a n d. C-O-Y-L-A-N-D, yes, sir. No, that's in Somerset. That's in England. Oh, that's okay. Western Zoyland. Not too far from there, there's a place called uh, the Battle of Sedgemoor. You ever hear of that? Correct, and go right the way back to the start of the show because myself and Richard Felix spent a night there with some uh, trying to reenact and explore the ghostly stories attached to the Battle at Sedgemoor. And? And we'll have to uh, tune in until next week to find yeah, out. Yeah, we we can ask Richard next week all about what happened when Richard and I visited the battlefield of Sedgemoor in Western Zoyland. And that'll be next week, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "With everything crossed." <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting that. You know, England has, you know, we don't talk too much about the battlefields in, in England. We talk about the haunted castles. We talk about this and that. I mean, even, you know, the, the tomb of the unknown soldiers is is uh, supposed to be haunted as well in England. Um, I, that's something that I don't think that we we, we would, uh, I mean, hopefully would never ever uh, be permitted to investigate. But it absolutely is the case that a great number of our British battlefields are well documented to be haunted, including, as I said earlier, Edge Hill, where a royal commission themselves witnessed the ghostly battles that took place in the air. And that was the pizza bell. So... You know, we've got Towton where 25,000 men were killed on the same day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, during the War of the Roses, which was another English Civil War, we've had three. Um, we had the. Uh, you did a razor. Well, you know, we had the civil war between Stephen and Matilda in the 11th century, and then we had the uh, 12th century. Then we had the War of the Roses, which was effectively a civil war, and then we had the Civil War, which was the so third what? civil war. And then there was one after that as well in 1648. Uh, seven, a bunch seven, of ornery people can't get along with themselves. Yeah, well, we can, you see, but we're just like a good rock. Good rock. Uh, yeah, we just have, but, we're just like a good rock. So. You know, I actually heard that, speaking of the tomb of an unknown soldier, that it's the most visited uh, site in the world. Um, I, I, as far as the, uh, I, yeah. I have no idea. Uh, it's certainly a very popular attraction, and it's certainly, particularly this time of year, I would imagine that this year it has been vastly overshadowed by the uh, poppy display at the Tower of London, simply because it's a much bigger ex- uh, exhibition and therefore could probably get more people physically past it. Uh, but I, I have visited the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. and uh, There are reports of soldiers guiding it that aren't there. Um, Others, again, it's, it's, yeah. I've heard it, so many tales about it. Yeah, uh, but... You know, I don't think anybody would ever uh, do anything objective to dis- to discover the truth or the or otherwise of those of those stories. And it is a very very emotive place to go, and uh, it is a place where, you know, without very much effort and imagination, could run absolutely rampant. Right. I heard an interesting this story of how they selected the body. They had dug up uh, several of them in, in France. That's and- right. Um, yeah. I think three were finally brought back. I may be, you know, I stand to be corrected, but I think they brought back three, um, and then the final selection was made. But of course, nobody, nobody truly knows uh, the the identity, and nobody should ever know the identity of the unknown soldier. Right. So I mean, it, it's it's really sad. I mean, we look at. I mean, we all have those tombs. Every every country, including the United States and Canada. And, of course, they just had that tragedy in Canada. But So, anyways, we want to say uh, we appreciate all the vets, and we do have to leave. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. God bless you all, and until uh, next week when there will be a Richard Felix, I think, will be. <laughs> the unknown ghost hunter. Yeah, there you go. Good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck. Are you looking for something more?